Hey listeners, before we get into today's podcast, I just first of all want to say thank you. Uh, This has been five years of podcasting for us, and I want to say thank you to those who have been here five years listening to us, and those who are, this is your first time listening. Um, It's been a a phenomenal journey and a lot of fun, and I, I can't think of how else I would like to spend the next five years other than continuing to podcast and bring, hopefully bring you guys some great shows and great interviews. Um, With that being said, I want to thank today's sponsors, first of which is Pretentious Pickles, Um, our good friends at Pretentious Pickles, located right here in Plymouth, Massachusetts on 190 Water Street, um, have a huge variety of pickled items for your um, consumption. There's pickled beets, Brussels sprouts, carrots, mushrooms, cucumbers, you name it, they've put it in a jar and pickled it. They make a phenomenal product and for the second year in a row have been nominated I'm sorry, not nominated, one uh, best gourmet shop in the South Shore, Massachusetts area. So congratulations to Lorraine and everyone at Pretentious Pickle Company. And if you can't make it to their store, you can stop by www.pretentiouspickle.com and you can place an order online. They'll ship it right to you. Um, it's if, if you're into pickles, you should definitely check that out. And today's second sponsor is Omeo. Omeo is a travel booking platform that makes planning a journey in Europe and North America effortless. Just enter your travel details and Omeo will magically give you all the train, bus, flight, and ferry options for your journey. It's never been simpler to book your first real vacation of 2021. Best of all, using Omeo saves you time and money. That's a win-win in our books. Omeo wants to help you leave your house this summer by offering 5% off your next booking. Just head to omeo.com, that is O-M-I-O.com, and use the code OMEO5 at checkout. Valid until July 31st for new users on all modes of transportation. It's just the pick-me-up 2021 needs. Omeo, plan, book, and love the journey. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, Inebriates. This is Andy and the Ebriar Podcast. And in case you can't tell, I'm super rusty recording in person. And uh, this is not a Zoom call. This is live-ish. Uh, and I'm here with uh, local artist Casey Figueroa. Hello. Hello. Um, now, I'm totally thrown. Like, we're in person. I got the name right. This, my, <laughs> my whole thing is off. Uh, so, Casey, uh, we met at our art fair, Art on the Green. Yep. Um. And you're, you were saying how you want to get more into the art scene here. I'm trying to remember, you just moved here not too long ago? I'm from the area originally. I'm from Massachusetts, from Plymouth, basically. Um, you know, graduated from Silver Lake mm-hmm. High School. Uh, but I've been traveling around for a long time, and I actually just moved back into town because I just finished my uh, graduate degrees. Oh, nice. So I uh, graduated from Montana State University with a... Master of Fine Art, MFA in Studio Art, and a uh, MA in Native American Studies. Oh, wow. So I was out there for about five years, and uh, before that, you know, kind of traveling around and kind of here for a little bit, and then gone somewhere else, Mm -hmm. and then back, and so. So 
why the two art degrees and a Native American studies degree? Is it, do you kind of combine those two? Or three? Uh, well, to an extent, from for myself, because um, I worked at Plymouth Plantation for a long time, like twenty years, and um, so you, there's a lot of questions that you develop over time, mm-hmm. um, and especially you know ha- things having to do with Native Native Americans and Indigenous people. Um, there's a lot of questions about relationships and um, uh, interaction and how people relate to each other. And so there are a lot of questions I had for myself personally that I wanted to kind of investigate. Yeah. And so I, you know, I have my bachelor's degree from um, uh, UMass Dartmouth. Yeah. Uh, so I got that around here <laughs> after taking, you know, some more kind of diversions again. <laughs> Uh, it was that was another long and twisty road, but basically the questions I went to grad school with um, were things like you know very kind of basic like foundational questions like you know what makes native art native, mm-hmm. you know who gets to claim that, what does it mean, yeah, and then especially for myself particularly because I'm an abstract artist, so I'm not utilizing native imagery or symbolism. Um, I'm more about examining kind of, um, indigenous like principles and paradigms and like design principles Yeah, and see, you know, what happens when you utilize that, but don't do things that are, you know, like traditional or or traditionally considered native, like, you know, ledger art and the stuff that you see, like jewelry, Mm -hmm. silver jewelry, turquoise, things like that. Um, so I want, you know, what does it mean to be a contemporary abstract, uh, artist who also identifies with indigenous heritage? Yeah. Um, so I felt that having that native studies, because I've been involved with native communities Mm -hmm. like Mashpee and, and, um, and Martha's Vineyard, um, and, you know, a lot of the East coast people from around here, you know, all up and down the East Coast. I've been involved working with them for, and, you know, as friends for, you know, a long time. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, a lot of questions about positionality and like all these kind of methodologies that are used in Native studies. And for me, I feel that, you know, Native culture and art, you know, it's, it's one and the same, really. There's so much art within Native culture mm-hmm. in everything. Right. Like it's just, the part of the way that you do things um so there's you know all the bags you know they're all hand woven and the pottery is all handmade and it's all you know it's all beautiful in 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 addition to being um functional functional you you know utilitarian so it's got both those things and so i was like all right so let me examine that further and really kind of dig down drill down into the foundations of of what all that means so how do you incorporate that into an abstract piece? Well, uh, basically, the <laughs> thing that I ended up with is that now I don't call myself or identify as a native artist mm-hmm. um, for a number of reasons, uh, all of which are complicated <laughs> and you know contradictory and confusing at times. Um, but... There's a couple things that are in place. So there's the uh, Indian Arts and Crafts Act of 1990, I believe. Mm -hmm. And that is basically the law 
is about truth and advertising. So okay. if you say that you're a native artist, you have to be from a native community. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, you nowadays kind of the, the where it's at, you can't just say you're from a community. That community has to acknowledge you in return. Okay. So it has its you know, pluses and minuses. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's important for that for sovereignty. Right. But then there's also the whole issue of colonization and how native people have actually been affected directly. And so, you know, in some ways it, co it covers all the people who are like federally enrolled or recognized in that fashion. But there are a lot of people who have indigenous ancestry who do not fit within that kind of circle. Right. And so you have, there's a lot of questions involved once you get kind of on the periphery, on the, the liminal area of, you know, what does it mean to be indigenous? You know, is it enough to recognize and acknowledge your indiz indigenous ancestry? Do you have to play an active part? Do you have to be an active part of a community? Does it have to be your own community? Is it kind of like one of those how much... Am I celebrating my ancestry and how much am I appropriating someone else's? That exactly. Kind of type that, of thing? There's that. There's that idea of appropriation. So, yeah. like, if you're of a community, you can use the information, cultural information that's encoded with your community. But if you start using, like, if you're from around here and you start using Navajo motifs or Lakota, who are totally different people, totally mm -hmm. different nations, totally different environments you'll probably get called out on that, even though you might be fully enrolled and everybody knows this is a native artist. Right. So there's a lot of very, you know, kind of intriguing and interesting intersections and how you navigate that is, um, you know. <laughs> I could see it being very difficult, especially it I be, mean, yeah. if it's, whether it's not well documented, like where your bloodline right. is yep. or, yep. you know, how diluted it gets right. you know, down the yep. line. Yeah. Huh, so yeah, so that was big part of why I went out there, um, and the main thing that kind of informed my standing of how I approach things now uh, is this idea of positionality. Positionality is basically about acknowledging who you are, mm -hmm. you know, fully. So like you know myself, I'm kind of light skinned, you know, I got a tan now, but yeah, you know, so. Uh, you know, I have this big handlebar mustache right now, but if I get rid of that thing, you know, I can be, you know, white passing. Yeah. And so that's part of my privilege. You know, I don't have to face some of the same kind of struggles that other people might face. Mm -hmm. um, but then because I'm over there, maybe I don't get access to these things that are over here. So, you know, it's, it's very much, um, you know, trying to ford the streams and, and figure out, you know, where you lay and, what you can contribute to and with and and how you can um, address these issues, whatever they are. And so then also, like I had mentioned, um, because I'm not working with indigenous symbolism mm -hmm. or imagery, um, it doesn't, you know, appear on the surface to be native. You know, yeah. it's contemporary abstract. It's neons and glitter and like, you and know. So it's not even like in like a color palette that you would expect well to an extent because there are places where you will find that color palette and that's particularly like powwow mm -hmm. uh, particularly like contemporary categories and they wear lots of you know they'll have neons and 
you know, very shiny stuff. Yeah. And, you know, but that's for uh, kind of a spectacle kind of thing. Okay. You know, you, you want to get the audience's eye. Yeah. So you can find the places. And so that's kind of more what I'm talking about is if you, you, you can examine the art, you can look at the art, what I create, and mm -hmm. just take it as it is. Okay. So I want to make art that does not require people to know my entire history. Okay. They can just respond to it as it is. Yeah. But then there's also stuff that's encoded within it mm -hmm. that if you decide that you want to know more about it, then it can bring, you know, greater understanding of kind of what's going on and how I got there. And, you know, so I, especially with abstract art, I feel that a lot of people just are like, you know, A, my dog can do that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I love those people. Yeah. You know, or B, that it's like they're concerned that they're going to get it wrong mm -hmm. like they're going to interpret it wrong yeah uh and i don't want that i just want people to be able to enjoy it react to it in some fashion so either they love it or hate it yeah you know if they get the if i get the meh like eh, okay you know then i haven't done it right right because so even the people no, that like my dog can do that you're at least getting a reaction yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. that's the thing that's important to me because then i know you're alive and you're thinking and feeling and, right so that's that's the most important thing. But then if you dig deeper into it, then you can start to understand like um, kind of how I'm approaching like my use of materials, um, you know, certain kind of qualities that you might find within indigenous culture um, that you'll find within my work. Like mm -hmm. particular, I'm thinking of like observation. You know, observation I feel is kind of particularly indigenous in nature. In terms of like observing the uh, cycles of cycles of nature and oh, okay. observing yeah. your environment, mm -hmm. you know, if you go out hunting, there's a long periods of time of just sitting, right? You know, and you're just looking at an area, and so you're seeing things that are going on. You see little animals, and you know, I was sitting down at the waterfront a couple weeks ago, and I saw a mink right by the Mayflower. Yeah, he's bopping in and out, and yeah. you know, getting little. I was like. There's mink in downtown Plymouth. Yeah, I like, saw one by the gristmill a few years <laughs> ago. And uh, actually, was it? I think I saw something yeah. on Main Street. Yeah. And I'm like, it's either a mink or someone's pet ferret got out. Right. Like, yeah, it's just yeah. like running like right yeah. down in front, like on Main Street. And, yeah, they yeah. kind of like boop, boop. Yeah, boop, yeah, boop, yeah, boop, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's weird because you t typically think of like this area being very like bustling, but. Right, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, yeah. forest area. and That bear, that poor boo-boo who just got oh, killed. Oh, did, did he get shot? No, Maybe. he got hit by a car. Oh, that poor thing. Yeah, yeah. I remember that was... Uh, I mean, a bear yeah. around here. In I mean, Kingston, that sounds yeah. crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, during COVID, it was all... I think I saw more rats than anything else. Yeah, well... Because everything was shut down here. <laughs> right, so I lived yeah. like two blocks away, so they would kind of like start to scamper out looking <laughs> for food. Um, so was this... You know, indigenous art always a motivator in your artwork, or like what? What was the first thing that you fell in love with about art? Um, I mean, for me, it's always been about color. Yeah. I, I love color, like bright and intense, and and it's also about um, kind of like material studies, like what you can do with particular types of paint and how they react to different materials and different applications and. Um, you know, what kind of effects that you can get with your painting, mm -hmm. depending on how you, you know, make use of these things. Like, 
just as something as simple as a gloss versus a matte. Yeah. You know, how does that affect the painting? You know, gloss is really cool because it makes everything real deep and really like fresh looking, but then yeah. it's also depending on the lighting, you know, it can be very it can literally be difficult to see because sure, yeah. of all the reflections. Yeah, yeah. So how can you make use of that? You know, if you have it contrast against bits of matte, mm -hmm. you know, what's happening now, what's happening. I like to play around with things like, you know, color theory, you know, red usually is seen as coming forward. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes I'll say, start off with blue or something like that as your background and build, you know, I'll put red right at the background and go from there. Cause now you've already instantly created attention. Yeah. You have that red behind and then you put a blue on top of it. That red's going to want to really push through, push yeah. through and yeah. that blue's going to want to, and it's going to be more kind of intensified because of the, the manner that you've put them down. Yeah, I always find that interesting to explain to newer artists or people who are kind of interested where there's always rules. Yes, yes. But, and you have to yes. learn the rules right. so you yep. can break them. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. You, you learn the rules, you do, you use the material how they're, you know, supposed to be used, right. you know, air qu scare quotes, yeah. <laughs> supposed to be used. Um, but then you, you break those rules exactly. because you are aware it's a rule yep. that you're breaking, not yep. just like, I didn't know any better. Right, yeah. You know? And so when you know how to how to break the rules, you can break them in very interesting ways to really create dynamic pieces and really create something that, you know, I think for a painting, the true measure of its value is time. How long do people spend with it? Mm -hmm. You know, you can say it's money. Yeah. But the reason why, like, say, the Mona Lisa is so valuable or invaluable, really, is because of the amount of time that people have spent looking at it. Oh, so you don't mean the artist working on it. You mean, like, the the spectator. The spectator. You know, the, there's you always got to think about the audience, you know, the spectator. Um, you know, so the more time that the audience spends with that painting, the more, you know, valuable it becomes because it kind of earns this sort of aura or, you know, this quality of people wanting to know more about it. Yeah. Um, and so you, I want to, when I'm working on my paintings, I want to create something that, you know, for, for my collectors, something that they're going to always have like more stuff to see, mm -hmm. you know, they'll may, maybe just be walking by out, out, out the door on the way to work one day and the sun hits something right. And they're like, Whoa! What is what is that? I never noticed that before. Yeah. So create this piece that's always kind of giving them a little bit more. You know, rewards the time spent with it. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's a lot of work that you know you look at. You're like, okay, I got it. Boom, next. Okay, right. You go to the museum. You know, it's not about generally. You know, especially your first time through. You know, it's like okay, gotta see this, gotta see this, gotta see this, gotta see this. But the more time you go there, you might be like, okay, I've seen that stuff. Now I want to go and really, you know, enjoy this one particular piece. And, and there's always something that people do, and it's not just art, it's just about everything, where for some reason you'll walk by something a thousand times and never even yep. notice it. Yeah. Not, not look yep. at just like, it's not even there. Right. Yep. And then one day you're like, how long has that been there? Yeah. I was like, I don't know, nine years. <laughs> and you're like, really? How did I not know yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, it's very, very strange. And, and yeah. a friend of mine, um, had put up a new fence. Yeah. 
and I stopped over her house and I get out of the car and I grab some stuff and I go in the house and she's like, what do you think of the new fence? I'm like, uh, what? uh she's <laughs> like, you didn't see it. And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't register. And like, she's like, aren't, aren't you supposed to notice things? You're an artist. And I'm like, that's not really how it works. That's, like, yeah, yeah. It, it's, I think, I don't know if people ha- really have that image that artists notice things. I think it, I think it's more we're trained how to look at things when we're looking right. at them, but yes. we're still human. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you can do that where you're looking at everything all the time, but then you never accomplish anything. Yeah, I just I don't think you, our brains are set up to handle that kind no, of information. Yeah, exactly. You know? Too much that, you know, the brain needs to kind of shut down a process. Right. It can't process while it's consuming. And it's, it's right. like that psychological thing that they always do where they'll be like, all right, look around the room at everything blue. Make yeah. a mental note yeah, of everything yeah. blue. Now yeah. shut your eyes. Tell me one thing that's brown. And you're like, I have no uh, idea. Uh, you know? yep. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's interesting. And I, I really like how you're talking about how like you want your art to kind of like constantly be giving back and surprising yeah. people. And it, yeah. it makes me think of like those favorite TV shows where you're like every time you watch something, yep. you're like, oh, I just picked yep. up something new. You know? Yeah. Um, are there other influences in your artwork um, other than your indigenous background? Uh, well, I hate the word influences. Okay. Um, you know, just because it's like, it's like such a reductive way of, of looking like, it's such like, it's short, it's a shortcut, right? Yeah. You know, it makes it easier for people to be like, okay, that's what this is. That's, mm-hmm. So it makes it easier to kind of define. And then once you define something, now it's that thing and you don't have to, you can, it's categorized. Yeah. You can put it away and you, you understand it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that word influences, it kind of. So how would you describe it? Um, like so, where does it come from? Is that, that's Well, kind of the way that I think about my art a lot of times is kind of like maybe in a, like a mathematical or an algorithmic kind of way. Okay. So it'd be like variables within an equation. Okay. So, you know, with math, basically there's an infinite number of answers depending on how you phrase the equation. Okay. Like you can, you know, you can say one plus one equals two, but then you can say one plus one equals, you know, something else. If you're using like a, base three number system okay you know so if you change like how like the terms of the thing yeah are are defined you change the outcome of it mm-hmm. so um so that's what i'm kind of exploring is i'm trying to understand like what happens when you change the variables within the things that are interacting what's going to come out the other end so what would you say are the ma- Main variables like the materials and the type yeah, of paint. the materials, the type of paint, how you deal with the paint. Is it really thin? Is it a glaze? Is it very thick and opaque? Is it you know? Is it matte? Is it gloss? Those sort of things. Um, yeah, so that that all that will affect um, you know how you know what the end process is because I never when I'm starting a piece, I generally don't have like a vision of how it's going to look at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had professors tell me that, oh, you're a reactionary painter. So you react to what's on the canvas. So basically when I start, I'm just putting down a splash or a line or something, some kind of mark. Just like a chunk of color. Yeah. Just a, bloop. yeah. You know, you start there and then you start working from that. You're like, okay, that's, it's got this, I don't know, kind of deep, kind of burgundy okay what do i want to play against that where where do i want to move this thing do i want to 
we give it kind of depth, perspective, like all these kind of things. So it's yeah, so the it's it's about like, you know, variables, I guess is the the best way that I like to describe it. But other variables that yeah. I would say like other, you know, influences, uh street art and graffiti, of course. Um I'm very much into um, you know, techno, electronic music, all that sort of stuff. Um, so like, you know, rave visuals, and, mm -hmm. you know, DJ visuals have, are part of my, um, you know, my repertoire, my toolbox. Because uh, in addition to painting, I do digital, um, you know, digital art, yeah. you know, moving stuff for, you know, backgrounds and things like that. I DJ, I mess around with synths. Um, you know, all, all this, it's, so it's like multimedia, yeah. um, kind of work that I'm doing. Uh, but I call myself a painter. I also do like ins installation kind of stuff, but I call myself a painter because color is like the, the driving, like the primary foundation. And I feel like trying to explain some of the other stuff to Joe average yeah like i don't know what an installation is right you know yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. i'm a painter <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly you know you don't want to you know if they want to spend the time yeah. then they will right but, you know you don't <laughs> it's easy to scare people because it's just like that's i don't even understand what any of that so you, you duct means. taped a banana to the wall <laughs> <laughs> yes and i made one hundred and forty thousand dollars. yeah um yeah so it's it's just and that's always one of those. I love people who are like, well, I could have done that. I'm like, yeah, but you didn't. But you didn't. Why didn't you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That, that's, that's interesting. Do you find yourself typically listening to a specific artist while you're painting? No. Cause I'm not, I'm, I'm not an expressionist. Okay. So I'm not expressing my inner self. I'm not reacting to what I'm hearing or anything like that. I'm like, I'm not painting the, the song. Okay. I'm not doing that. So do you listen to music at all? Yes. Okay. I have music on, I just calculated this with my friend the other day. Cause I was like, I basically have been, let's just say for the last 20 years, I've been listening to eight hours of music a day, you know, five days a week. Yeah. You know, that's, that's minimum. It's actually, it's probably seven days a week. Sure. Yeah. So it was probably like 12 hours a day. Uh, but it was like uh, 12,000 hours or 40,000 hours or something. I can't remember. It was, it was, at first it was like, I don't think the math is right. And then we redid it. It's like, yeah. that sounds more right. And yeah, so music is just, is always, you know, always on. Um, I'd much prefer music or even if I'm watching, like, especially if I'm watching something I've seen before yeah. or like some bad cheesy movie. I'll just put on the subtitles and, and turn on. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And oh, just I found that really distracting. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's like, you know, with The Wizard of Oz and Dark Side oh, of the Moon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. do that with everything. And sometimes you find stuff that, you know, lines up and you get the weird coincidences. And other times it's just multiple yeah. forms of media. All So is that kind of like a uh, like part of that visual, uh, not visual, video style art where you like try yeah. and like, piece together like music with yep. you know the the you know old 1950s yeah exactly you know, old sci-fi yeah. old sci-fi is great you know because there's it's just it's such it's so visual it's such a spectacle and you got ridiculous outfits and you know story who knows what's going on even sometimes but, even watching them you're like i still don't know what's going on. <laughs> oh, okay whatever yeah. 
you know, I love like MST3. Oh, you know, I got Master a big Science. fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So great. Riff tracks. Yeah. Yep. Just great. So, you know, I, I, I can't watch like TV <laughs> with other people because they're, they're you'll, like, like comment on it. Get out. <laughs> my, my, you know, my stepmom and my sister that, you know, cause they used to be into the Kardashians and I was like, they're just like, get out. We can't, you can't <laughs> be in the room with us at the same time as we're watching this because you're ruining it. <laughs> you're like, I'm improving it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> hey. And uh, so now you're going to be teaching. Uh, yes. Is I'm that going, a new experience? Or? Uh, I did some, te- I did teaching. Well, I've always been an educator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was at Plymouth Plantation, like I said. Oh, sure. Yeah. For 20 something years. Yeah. Um, so I've always been an educator and, you know, I did, um, you know, cultural outreach there. We would teach teachers how to teach about like particular, you know, usually it's Thanksgiving, Yeah. you know, talking about what kind of really went on or different perspective sort of thing. So I've, I've always been, that's always been part of, um, you know, who I am. Um, but I decided to, you know, get my master's degree so that I'd be able to teach in college, uh, you know, college level. Mm-hmm. Um, right now I'm, I'm working on, you know, just kind of building up my career basically. Yeah. Um, so I am going to be teaching, I'm going to be teaching, um, a abstract painting class at the Plymouth Center for the Arts. Yep. So it starts the next session, which is July 28th. Um, so there's still time to sign up. Uh, maybe not after this goes up. Well, (laughs) (laughs) possibly not. Maybe. Yeah. All right. But, but, uh, I will be, but they can uh, request to sign up for the next one. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, uh, that's, you know, six weeks, Yeah. you know, six weeks. Um, and it's three hour classes and basically I'm going to be teaching about abstract painting and specifically like formalist kind of theory which is basically exploring uh, we'll say the paint is the subject matter Mm -hmm. as opposed to like you know life drawing or something like that so the paint itself is what you're examining right what you're exploring and so i I have you know kind of a um kind of uh, laid out how i'm going to approach things so uh hopefully people enjoy it it's it's nice because um this way of working, it's it's kind of like homework. Yeah, it's a lot of material studies and technical studies. So again, it's learning about how to really. If you're a carpenter, you want to know how to really use your tools. Right. You know, if you know how to use the proper tool for what you're trying to achieve, it's going to be more successful than if you're just going in with a hammer. And I think some people who aren't that familiar with art in general kind of lose that idea where it's like. Sometimes it's not actually, I'd say probably more often than not, I'm not working on a finished piece. Right. I'm working on a sketch. I'm practicing, yep. you know, whatever. Yeah. And yeah. it's, you know, the baseball player throws more pitches outside the game than inside. Right. The game, yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get your work in. You gotta. Was that, was that baseball reference, right? Fish? <laughs> <laughs> not one for the sports. Well, so, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, you got to get that stuff done. And it's nice because for painting, it helps to get away from that, um, that need to like 
feel like you have to have a thing in your mind and you have to make it, yeah. make it exactly like what you're seeing. Because I mean, anybody who's ever done any art knows that getting what you see in your brain out through your arm and through your hand onto the paper is like the hardest thing to do. Yeah. It never, it never I, turns out like I, you expected. I think my, the thing I struggle with the most is trying to do something that doesn't look photorealistic. Yeah. Cause yeah. there's that like pushing my brain being like, well, that's not the right proportion or that's right. not, that doesn't yeah. look like it, a person or whatever. And it's very like for me to kind of shut off that, you know, do something more impressionistic or yeah. abstract is really yeah, tough. Yeah. Cause me. I mean, it's nice to be able to combine them too. Yeah. Cause then you can get interesting things with like focusing mm. and you know, how you're moving things around, but some, you know, if you're doing like photorealist and and life drawing, there's some weird looking like foreshortening. Like oh yeah, stuff. then when even when you draw right, you're like, you're that like doesn't that look right. Doesn't, that's <laughs> not what is that? Yeah. And no, that's it's a hundred percent right, but it looks so weird because it's you're moving it from a 3D whole space into yep. a flat surface. You know, so which it, also kind of goes back to that. So you have to know the rules. And yeah. then you have to know when to be like, all yep. right, when I draw that, it's not going to look right. right so I got to yeah. kind of draw it to make it right. Yep. So yep. the person understands like how that hand is positioned or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that yeah. that's it's a huge struggle. Yeah, you know? it is. It's it's fun though because you know then you can just be like, all right, this is just a thing, and it doesn't matter. This is just for me. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it looks good. You know, if it uh, adheres to like standards this is me just messing around trying to figure something out trying to learn and just get better control of my tools and you know how to make use of different stuff and i i like to use like you know like home depot or lowe's yeah i love going shopping for materials in there because then you get stuff that's like industrial or or you know commercial product and yeah turn it in use it in some way that's never been intended for sure yeah and you just turn it into something else and um i think that's you know that's it, the creativity and they always have like that shelf of accidentally mixed paint or whatever oh, yeah, where yeah. you're like oh 30 well, cents make, yeah hell yeah make use of that i need yeah. more taupe yep, absolutely <laughs> never have enough taupe yeah that's, that's it, I because I used to work at Home Depot, and any time you walk by, I kind of just like peek over, and anytime there was like an interesting color, like, hey, that's a cool pink or whatever, you'd be like, I'm getting that, because the majority of it's like taupe or beige. And, right, yeah, you yeah. Know, gray. This off-white is just a little bit too off-white. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's more eggshell than yeah. off-white, yeah. Um, so what, what are you working on now? Are you working on a, a specific painting? Do you have like more than one thing going on? Uh, usually when I'm painting, uh, I'm working on like three or four at once Yeah, uh, because I tend to work very fast and, um, acrylics, they dry fast, but I still, sometimes I go real heavy. Uh, I'll do pours and stuff like that. And, uh, so then you break out the heat gun and mm -hmm. hurry up, come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, the thing with abstract, you have to know, like, you know, when is it done? Right. Right. Is, is the well, question. That's, yeah. So how do you know when it's done? Uh, you know, so you know, that's part of it is that's why I work on a bunch of stuff at once. So I don't overwork something or, yeah. you know, it's got to breathe. It's got to breathe for a little bit. You got to be able to sit with it. You know, I sit with my pieces, just looking at them probably twice as long as I actually paint. Mm -hmm. Um, because then for me, because I'm not trying to tell the painting what it wants, what it's going to be. I'm trying to, you know, I guess 
might sound you know mystical or whatever yeah but listen to the painting and see what it what it wants um which is you know a different way of approaching it i have had professors in grad school be like so you're not taking responsibility for your work i'm like uh that's not i never really thought about it that way but no yeah <laughs> i never like considered that kind of frame of of thinking um you know it's not that i'm take not taking responsibility it's not that i'm because i don't want to tell the audience what they're supposed to be seeing yeah you know that goes, gets back to the let the audience engage with it in their own fashion you know you got to meet them where they're at and, yeah and allow them to experience it on their own terms um because then it's going to become more meaningful uh you know afterwards you know like i said if they want to kind of dig deeper and see where i'm coming at mm -hmm. for how it came about then sure you can examine that stuff but i, I always find the the art school professors would love to find that like one thing yeah and i, I remember we had like the uh, uh end of semester where basically you hang up everything you've done in, in a classroom and then they just come through and you know pick it apart yeah so there's a whole classroom full of a semester's worth of work, and they right. talked about two pieces. Yeah, yep. Exactly. One that they didn't like, right? And one that they did like. Yep. And they're like, "Oh, you must have been really into this one because it came out really great." I'm like, "No, I really didn't enjoy that, that one at all." It was actually ten minutes. It was. It, it was <laughs> mindless tedium. It yeah. Was, they had us take a master work, uh. and then like make it into a mosaic using like. So you're just gluing down like little tiny squares of paper. I'm like, uh. yeah. And then the other one was a portrait, and they're like, "Well, we don't really like that." I'm like, "Well, I really enjoyed working on that." And yeah. like, why? I'm like, "Because I felt like I learned from that right, one." Yeah. And the other one was just gluing down. Yeah, it was like an yeah. hour long conversation. Where I'm just like, yeah. "Fucking kill me!" Like, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, everybody's an individual, right? Everybody brings their own things. So yeah. Everybody has their own kind of what they're trying to achieve, and you know, so for some people, it's very important to have that that actualization of the image onto finished product yeah and it matches up for other people it's it's about the journey right yeah it's about kind of going through and and to me that i think for me personally it's more about the journey and like did did i feel like i learned something did i feel like i got yeah. better did i yeah. have yeah. fun yeah you know, like yeah yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's not about just the duh, 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 yeah. doing 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 it's about experiencing yeah for yeah. sure I have a very oddly specific question, okay. and this is either going to be like blow your mind okay. or be like, right. no, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> have you ever done a painting demo on at the old waterworks building in, on Howland Street? Um, yes, like a live painting. Yeah. Yes, I did. I was there. Yeah, okay. All right. And just like through this conversation, you yeah. talk about Home Depot and the colors, and the, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm like, I think I've seen this guy paint <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah. I think I've heard this. Yeah, yes, I did. Because you're, I'm like, I was about, like, I don't yeah, know. Put the big seven tarp years ago. Yeah, 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 put the big tarp yeah, down yeah. and just went at it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that, that's such a cool building. Yeah, 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 it is. Um, is there anything in there now? There's still there's some art studios in there. There's a design company. I don't know what that. What else is over there? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It was fun. I I enjoyed that, and um, I like doing that stuff. Um, you know, kind of live painting and things like that. But it just depends on you know where I'm at. Yeah, you know, right now I'm 
basically, you know, kind of getting back into the area and trying to get established and everything. So I'm, you know, work. I'd like to be doing more stuff um, in terms of, you know, I, but I need to get my studio and I need to get that all that space and mm -hmm. that kind of organized. Still need to work on my. I need to get a website. I mean, I use my Instagram right to kind of. Um, you know, show process stuff, but I have probably like 40 paintings that I brought back with me from Montana that I did when I was out there. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, that's now the Montana collection, which sounds <laughs> yeah. very, like, it sounds like, yeah, right? that sounds very hoity toity. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I got the, the, uh, Montana collection. I think now I'm starting on either like the Massachusetts or the Bay collection. I haven't decided. Yeah. You know, how, how is the two collections different? Like different. Well, it's different. Is totally it a, different environments. Yeah. You know, uh, with Montana, it's mountains, so it's like impossible to not paint mountains. Yeah. Like everything, like especially abstract. You know, just the shapes and the 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 motions and the the lines and everything. You know, mountains are very like, um, you know, they're powerful and mm -hmm. you know picturesque and you know especially when you get snow on them or snow with light yeah you know you get sunsets and you get nice beautiful colors in there you get clouds so you got tons of stuff tons of information that you can work off of um and then out here it's dunkin donuts <laughs> right, it's just all dunkin donuts like just pink and pink and pink purple or whatever yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah out here you got um you know you got your beaches you got the ocean you got harbors um so i want to you know talk about you know that stuff um like things like the um you know the reflection of of light on on the water mm -hmm. you could paint that for years you know with the different waves and everything yeah just trying to capture those waves uh, that quality i mean you could do just like a, a huge piece that was just waves right and spend years on that and you know you still never really fully get the whole thing mm -hmm. and then you add clouds into the mix and there's the sunsets, a sunset there's sunset. a moonlight yeah yeah yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, and I, I love I, I love Plymouth area. It's just it's it's just a really nice area, and and has, you know, it's got a long history. <laughs> you know, even going back, you know, certainly before the Europeans came yeah. here. Uh, so there's a long history of art. There's a long history of um, working with um, you know the materials that are offered here. Uh, so I have ideas of projects i'd like to work with that have you ever that, tried to do that to try to like kind of create a, a pigment from like how uh, they would back in the day yeah i use um i use uh i've added dry pigments mm -hmm. to my uh like toolbox now yeah and so i've been playing around with that um like you know klein blue is like one of the famous ones where he kind of like invented his own pigment. Yeah. Uh, he didn't invent the pigment, but he invented like basically the the binder. Yeah. Because uh, what he was going for was he wanted to get the you know the pure intensity of just a pure color, mm -hmm. um, but also maintain that kind of the you know the the dry quality of it. Yeah. And it's very tricky. It's it's not easy to do because. Um, you know, generally, once you start adding binders and things, it affects you know how the the pigment sure you know what yeah. it turns into. Um, 
And so, yeah, I've been playing around with dry pigments and trying to figure out, okay, how can I kind of maintain the qualities of the dry pigment as opposed to just using pre-mixed or, you know, yeah. using a lot of medium and making it very thin and, you know, glazy or whatever. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, and then I'd like to, you know, because a lot of the work that I was doing uh, when I was out in Montana and I was examining this idea of indigenous art, I was using plastic, you know, PVC and vinyl. And my, my, one of my professors, she told me, I was like, she was like, you know, I didn't understand what you were doing because like you're talking about native art, but then using plastic and vinyl. I'm like, that's exactly what I was trying to figure out. Like, is, can you, is there a way, are you only allowed to use things that are like the tradition? Right. That are that are understood. Or can you communicate kind of certain ideals or perspectives through different materials? Or how does that change the message? Yeah. And and there's something this isn't throwing shade at all. It's not meant to throw shade. But you know, if you're doing traditional materials in a traditional way, it's not really growing the art form. There's it's, that. It, yeah. It's it's, it's, it's maintaining, maintaining which is important. Absolutely. For tradition. But there also needs to be evolution. Yeah. And that's another thing that's part of Native culture is there's always been that kind of uh, adoption and adaptation of new materials. Mm-hmm. You know, glass beads, they're from Europe, but they're very much considered a Native traditional form nowadays. Yeah. You know, and especially some of the um, some of the Native artists, uh, Jamie Okuma is one I'm thinking of in particular, um, she does beadwork, but it's like high fashion. Yeah, it's amazing. She does like one of her most famous pieces is like like thigh high like leather boot, stiletto boot that's entirely beaded, hmm. and it's got like uh, some kind of birds on it. Yeah, um, bluebirds or something. Uh, it's very colorful and it's precision, like exquisitely crafted. And yeah. It's just amazing. And it's taking that kind of stuff to the next level of this is native art. This is also high fashion. This is also contemporary art. Yeah. It's maintaining and utilizing tradition, but it's also evolving um, the artistic expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's so important. You know, we any culture, whoever it is, has to be allowed to grow and breathe and expand to express itself right um because then if you're not then you you're not growing right Right. so it's that's so important well i want to say thank you i mean this this flew by yeah um but where can people go online you mentioned an instagram you don't have a website yet but where can Uh, people go online to check out your work i have an instagram uh stone bear studio Mm -hmm. uh so stone s-t-o-n-e and the little kind of lower bottom oh the underscore underscore yeah okay so stone underscore bear b e a r underscore studio. Nice. Um, so they can find my work there, and then I will be um, I'll be uh, the Plymouth Library Art Fair that's coming up. Uh, that's, oh yeah, that's uh, next um, month, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, first weekend of August. August, I think. Yeah. And I'll be with you guys probably September October. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'll be teaching at the Plymouth Center for the Arts um, this upcoming one, and then hopefully further on and i'm also going to try and get um talk to down on the cape and duxbury the art center's there and hopefully get some some 
um, teaching going on there. And then I will also be doing uh, an installation uh, in one of the um, uh, waterfront festivals uh, they're going to be doing oh, very on cool. Labor Day weekend. Nice. So, yeah, so I'll be set up there. We hang some walls in uh, in town, so maybe we'll get your, your art up somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, you're here, so you should definitely be, I'm he- I'm be here part of the Inebriar, you know, yeah, family. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but thanks again. This is, you know, sorry to our listeners if I was a little rusty. It's been a long time <laughs> since I talked to a person in real life. Um, we all know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's been a crazy year and a half. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was and, great. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. We'll definitely have you back me. on again yeah, for sure. absolutely. And uh, for our listeners, we'll uh, catch you guys again uh, next week. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can find us on all social medias at Inebriart or on Instagram at Inebriart6. You can email us at Inebriart at yahoo.com. And make sure you listen to the other podcasts on the Inebriart Podcast Network, including Bar Talk, Old Colony Cast, Retro Redoctopus, America's Hometown Horror Podcast, and our newest one, Theme Park Legends, a podcast about working at theme parks. What else? And we'll catch you again next time.